Hello, everybody, and welcome into the Open Court Podcast. I am your host, Shane Wood. Excited to have you guys with us today as we start off this very first episode 1001 of the Open Court Podcast. Like I said, I'm your host, Shane Wood. Make sure that you go ahead and hit the subscribe button on the podcast. That way, when whenever a new podcast is put out, it just shows up right there. You don't have to go looking for it, searching for it. It will just come to you. Make sure that you follow Open Court on Instagram and Twitter. Again, that's at Open Court Hoop. If you don't already follow that, make sure you go ahead and give us a follow. Joining me today on episode one of the podcast is Kyle Mann don't already follow kyle on twitter and instagram make sure you go follow him you can get him at j kyle man all kinds of great basketball content thought knowledge if you don't already follow him make sure you do again my conversation today is with j kyle man without any further ado here's our conversation good to be here you hear me everything's good finally yeah i think we figured out the technical difficulties and we'll just sail on through until otherwise computers man yeah just you can't live with them can't really can't live without them anymore right i know i was just (laughs) thinking about that today i was like i don't how would this even work without computers ever it's a funny life that we choose yeah (laughs) i guess we'll just get right into it um I mean, we'll just dive right into it. What have your been your? I guess we'll just to make this a little bit easier. What have what's been kind of your most in, intriguing matchup, the series that you kind of can't take your eyes off of so far? Tough question, really. Well, I mean, a couple of them have been. I've paid the most attention to the Nets and the Sixers mm-hmm. uh, because I was writing something about them. Okay. And I was really intrigued by, I kind of got up to my waist in research on the Sixers without Embiid. I think they played like, uh, I have to pull up the stats. They, I think they were like seven and 10 without Embiid this year. So I had kind of convinced yeah. myself that maybe, maybe the Nets would have a chance, but the Sixers are just, they're just bigger at every position. They're more physical at every position. And yeah, it kind of jumps off the screen when you watch that series. Yeah, yeah, and it's like they they should beat the Nets without Embiid. But mm-hmm. if anything, you know, I think that one's probably been the most intriguing in terms of, uh, you know, long-term, what it could mean, you know? Yeah, it feels like a lot of implications kind of riding on, on that series in a way. Right, you know, because it's like the process has been this process that's been going on, I don't even know how many years now. I mean, I remember mm-hmm. it going on in like 20... 13, 12-ish, somewhere in there. Yeah, yeah. And we've gotten to the point where the process is over. You know, they went all in on it. And mm-hmm. they, they pushed all the chips in to get Harris. And it's like, the spacing is still weird. Like, I, they should beat the Nets because they're, size-wise, the discrepancy yeah, yeah. is kind of like the Toon Squad versus the Monstars, basically. But um, I know that's what I was going to say earlier about just kind of the size. It almost feels, not to bang on the Nets, but it almost is like watching it when you go to a high school practice and you watch the varsity go against the JV (laughs) and like the JV will have some good players, but just size wise and speed and just all around, you can just tell the difference. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of what it has felt like watching, watching this series. And yeah, it just kind of jumps off the screen. And like you were saying about the 
kind of the implications of it and the process. I I find it hard to believe that Hinky, when he started the process, he probably didn't have in mind that it would land someone like a Butler and a Harris. Nothing against those guys, but it, it kind of feels anticlimactic in a way that when they went all in on it, that everyone was kind of like, "Oh, okay, I guess this is what the process was for. This is what Hinky died for." Right, was, and, was and both expiring contracts. That's what's weird about it too. It's like yeah. Butler and yeah. Harris could both walk. And I mean, if you look at, I spent a lot of time kind of looking at. You know, Harris played 55 games this season for the Clippers. Some people thought he was, you know, an all-star kind of caliber player. I don't even, mm-hmm. he didn't even end up actually making the team, did he? I don't think he did. No. No. Um, I'm always bad with my memory about that stuff. But yeah, his offensive sort of production was down across the board. And I have to think that was maybe a, a little bit of a result of, you know, acclimation, I guess. But um, also the spacing with, he he specifically is in a really odd spot with this team mm-hmm. where you know his his efficiency is kind of down across the board and you got to kind of think that might have something to do with the quality of shots he's getting playing with Simmons and Embiid um but yeah in terms yeah. of the implications it kind of makes you wonder it's like what's the expiration date on this should the, sh- maybe what i've been thinking lately is like maybe they should have made a move a while back i'm kind of wondering uh, maybe mm-hmm. they didn't make the move because Embiid's health is so dicey but i maybe would have considered trading Simmons while he was still, people didn't, because you know, when people know you have problems, your mm-hmm. leverage is damaged, right? Yeah, you don't, you can't really do as much when people know you're kind of grasping for straws, trying to get anything you can. Yeah. So it's so, almost like they wanted to wait till they could, could get to kind of a position of strength in a way to be able to, but it's been interesting that you kind of mentioned trading Simmons or that's kind of been the talk of this season. I feel like if you, you hear whispers that, Oh, are they, you know, kind of behind the scenes thinking about trading him or are they, you know, is there a potential deal there? I I think back at the trade deadline, you see people writing articles about an AD Simmons kind of trade, if something like that could be worked out. And Mm -hmm. now I think it's kind of interesting with the implications of now you have Embiid sitting and kind of Simmons gets to go on display here, kind of like he did last night and just kind of. With all the with all the spacing that's on the floor, you could just see kind of what Ben could be when he's enabled to just be that kind of point five and just attack and find shooters. And it was kind of everything that we thought Simmons could be coming out of the draft was kind of put on display last night in a in a playoff game. Mm-hmm. I feel like the point five thing has kind of evolved <laughs> even since he came to the NBA in a way that's you know fortuitous for him. I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. Um, I have questions, broader kind of questions about him as a teammate. You know, kind of his personality. Mm-hmm. I'm not a hundred percent sure. I've heard from friends of mine that are closer to that situation that tell me things that are a little concerning. You know, yeah. He basically when he was in Australia was not wild, wild, widely liked. He wasn't widely liked at Montverde Academy. He wasn't... Something about Montverde Academy, too. It's like R.J. <laughs> Barrett, not widely liked. D'Angelo Russell Had for all early his... concerns. Yeah, so it's just yeah. like over and over. Precious Achua, not widely liked. It's like, what is it about Montverde? Do they just like, is that part of their interview process? But then yeah. LSU, he quits on the team. And I'm just like, is this guy a leader? I don't know. I know, I'm, I'm a huge like body language guy and 
when guys are on the bench, like someone makes a shot or, you know, gets a Duncan and one, our guy's standing up or they clapping. And it's kind of something that with Simmons, he always kind of seems like on the fringe, not on the fringes, but kind of like a very much like LeBron in like these last couple of calves and even this year on the Lakers, like he almost has that vibe to him that he's like him and then the team or like, mm-hmm. you know, he's kind of his own almost uh kind of business and own kind of person. And so I, I, it is interesting how that whole thing shapes up. And then on the other side, you have Embiid who's kind of seems from at least the outside to be kind of the ultimate team guy and jokester and loves getting People everyone love involved. Him. Yeah. So it is a really interesting kind of yin and yang of a situation. Yeah. You just kind of wonder how long those two can stick together. And then obviously, like you said, with Sim or with um, Butler and Harris, both being expirings to this whole situation, Philly is going to be really interesting to see how it all plays out. Yeah, it's funny. It's like the process could just be totally over if if Simmons and yeah. Harris decide. Because I mean, there's a lot of people that I the people I talk to are like, we don't even want people. Well, a lot of the Sixers fans I've talked to say that a they don't think Harris is a max contract guy, and then b they're like, we don't want Butler. You know, so it's mm-hmm. it's been for if you think about a year ago, the Sixers came into the playoffs, basically burst through the saloon doors and kind of twirled their six mm-hmm. years basically and yeah, just, yeah. you know everybody was like oh my god what kind of is the darlings this? of the playoffs it was like they have, they these guys might have two top 10 players on their team and then uh, you think about what happened in that time it's like no mm-hmm. there was no every every possible like developmental touchstone that you might think would be happening like just didn't happen i mean it was just an absolute yeah. shit show and can't believe it's gone this badly to be honest i know and like I can't think of in recent memory a team that went from one year in the playoffs or just, I guess just one year in period from so much of even them going into the playoffs, it was kind of a a no pressure situation in a way because like you said, they had kind of burst on the scene and everyone was like, oh shit, these guys might be able to make it to the Eastern Conference Finals or they might be able to kind of you know make it a lot further than people thought, but there wasn't really a whole lot of pressure there because it was kind of you know, their first, their first dance. But then this year going all in on, on two, um, expiring guys, it's kind of, kind of feels like Eastern conference finals slash finals or bust. And with, you know, I think like, I think we would both agree that they'll, they should, and will probably get through this even with Embiid maybe being out for the rest of the series. But when it gets to this next round, you know, the, if Embiid is still struggling with in, with injuries, and you know they kind of have to re game plan almost like a whole new team playing with Simmons, kind of in a whole new way that they haven't been able or haven't really played with him. So I kind of agree that this one, definitely in the East, is the one that I can't can't seem to take my eyes off of just because of all the intrigue everywhere. Yeah, it's like Celtics Pacers has been kind of boring. Pistons Bucks is it even a series really? And then, uh, you know, Magic Raptors. I haven't really gotten to watch a lot of those, to be honest. I know there's not, there seems not to be much to watch. I mean, Detroit obviously doesn't, doesn't have Blake. That's a big thing when you're missing, you know, the team's best player. And then, right. And uh, Raptors and Magic had that big first game, but since then it seemed 
like the the Raptors kind of have a stronghold on it and yeah they winning got their tonight attention and, now yeah, yeah. seems like they kind of had to wake up so yeah and then the uh Warriors and uh Clippers it's been okay I mean the last last night's game I could tell that the Warriors were just in like destroy mode and I was I honestly fell asleep yeah what are your I want to kind of hear your thoughts on this I think this one is interesting not necessarily because of it being an interesting series or but I think there's a lot of kind of personal and I don't know, I don't want to say personal, but I think there's a lot of layers to this one that kind of go beyond what kind of you see on the court. So what are kind of your, your thoughts on that series? Yeah. I mean, these, well, a few weird things have happened for the Warriors against the Clippers throughout the year. And, you know, you got obviously Pat, anytime Pat Beverly is involved with any star player, it's going to mm-hmm. be, he's going to try it's to kind of a headline up. grabber. Yeah. Yeah, he's gonna try to make it weird and 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 just you know mix things up. But we're just looking at a team that plays really well together and 100 percent is not afraid of the Warriors and battling against the apathy and you know the weariness of the grind of mm-hmm. how many however many seasons it's been in a row now. You know, well over 82. I mean, how many? what the game total is, but it's insane. You know, it's like when you yeah. do it three times in a row, that's, that's a lot. So, you know, just keeping it. That's another reason I was kind of sad other than just being a fan of Boogie Cousins, you know, him going down. Mm-hmm. I was like, well, it kind of sucks. He's not going to get the playoff experience he wanted, but also for the Warriors, it was going to be interesting just to see them. It was like bringing in a, an extra member of the band, you know, to, to record. It was like, yeah. Uh, yeah. Everyone's excited to kind of get him, in on all the excess success and just kind of it seemed like you had heard that a lot that that one of the reasons they brought him in was almost to kind of <laughs> rejuvenate the team and that they're just excited to try and get someone get someone their ring so yeah. i thought that was that's kind of a i mean obviously for demarcus i can't imagine emotionally and what that's like coming back from basically a a full year of recovery to finally start to get back into the swing of things and feel like you can contribute to a championship team. And then, I mean, it's kind of the same, sadly, the same thing that kind of happened with the Achilles. He's chasing down a loose ball and suddenly his season's done. So, yeah, it's just so, I mean, he, he hasn't really gotten to play like winning basketball since, honestly, since he was here, really. I mean, like mm-hmm. uh, since he was at UK. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like it, what it reminded me of was um, I don't know if you're a music fan at all, but like it mm-hmm. reminded me of when uh, the Beatles were sort of nearing their end, like kind of near Let It Be. Are you into music yeah. much? Yeah, yeah. It reminded me of when they brought in like Billy Preston, that keyboard okay. player. Yeah, and they, but the, you know, I re, I've read a bunch of Beatles books, and they said that they would that was a normal thing that they would do. They would bring in like. Eric Clapton or, you know, cause like by the time the white album came out, they like all hated each other. So it's like, yeah. Oh, let's bring in somebody. So they take the pressure off. And also just to be a distraction from yeah. each, focusing on each other. Yeah. But it's wild that they're going to get the rockets most likely in round two. It's kind of yeah, sad I, for us, but yeah, I think that that's, that's a, an interesting twist of, those those last couple of days of the regular season turned out to be so much more impactful than than I think anyone had had kind of thought. I think that obviously it w- had been close all throughout the year, but then it was kind of like <laughs> within a couple hours of the season ending, everyone was like, "Oh, 
oh crap, okay, so OKC gets, you know, Portland gets OKC who they lost, who they went 0-4 on the season with, and then, and kind of seemed like they obviously didn't want to get them, you know, sat all their guys and played that six-man rotation the last the last game of the year Simons against Sacramento. 39. <laughs> yeah, and then Simon's just seeing, it's like he didn't get the memo, he was late to the locker room or something and didn't see the on the board, we'll blow this game, we don't want it, you know. Right. Everyone's like, oh, come, come on, Rook. Well, then, uh, yeah, I mean, don't I know it? That I was actually way, way into, I was going to make a video about the Rockets and the Thunder because I thought that that was going to be uh, mm-hmm. an interesting the series. Matchup. Yeah. And and then it changed literally on the last night. I was like rooting so hard for it to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's wild that it just shifted like that. And then you get the the Rockets and Jazz matchup of basically the two in almost any metric you look at after the All-Star break, two of, of the basically top three teams in the league for the second half or the second, I guess, what we call half of the season, really 25 games or whatever it is. Right. But then they match up, and then now it, I I I kind of imagined that it would be a little bit closer. I guess maybe the the metrics and the advanced stats on on what the Jazz really are might seem to be a little off, or maybe it's just that Harden is such a transcendent kind of offensive talent that seems like no matter what you throw at him, that he's able to kind of figure it out and rig the game in a way that we just kind of can't help but shake our heads. I don't. I don't really know what I'm watching with him anymore. I'm just, he comes down the court and I'm like, all right, so the Rockets are going to score three here, get a layup, or, and then you just kind of wonder what the other team is going to do. I don't ever wonder kind of what the result is going to be with the Rockets anymore. I, they have a real look of a, a team that's definitely, you know, headed full, full course towards the Warriors without, without any fear. Right. Yeah. I was going to pull up there because I got, Got researching them. I mean, their record in the last twenty-five games was something crazy. It was like twenty-three and three or something like. I mean, it was it was yeah. Bonkers. The Rockets, yeah, um, yeah. And just sure. defensively, how they went from you know then that first first fifty games being I don't want I don't know what the exact number was, but being a pretty you know a pretty decent defensive team, and now they just look kind of like what they had looked last year, just total stonewalling teams and look like kind of a defensive juggernaut just to go along with the already historic (laughs) offensive numbers that they've been putting up. Yeah, totally. Like, I mean, I guess I think, well, at least on offense, I know a wrinkle that's really helped them is, you know, Daniel house is a little bit more of a capable driver. Oh man. Yeah. That's added another wrinkle for them. You know, it's it the jazz just kind of look deflated to be honest like they just mm-hmm. look you can you know it when you see it it's like they're just not they they look broken i think yeah. about halfway through the game i guess it was game 2 they just had this look like we just don't know what to do and it, mm-hmm. i almost wondered if they were maybe a little frustrated with the scheme if maybe everybody was buying in on the scheme because yeah, you know that's what i had wondered too i not to interrupt, sorry. Oh, kind of fine. going back, going back to the body language thing. I think it's kind of. Uh, I don't know. I, I did wonder the same thing if they're kind of all bought in on the scheme because it seems like a lot. I think that 
you see teams doing this just when they're playing straight up against Harden where they kind of look at each other and go, I thought you were going to, you didn't come over, you didn't help. And then they look at the coach like, you know, what was the, and it seems like that's been so magnified in this kind of just such a different defensive scheme that they're trying to put on Harden here that no one's totally sure what the other person is supposed to do and no one's totally sure, coach, was that the right thing or, they all kind of seem very disjointed. And then if they do get on the same page and, and Harden does still score, the Tucker hits a corner three or whatever the case is, that they all kind of seem to look at each other, look at the bench like, okay, like we worked <laughs> that perfectly. Like, what are we supposed to do? Yeah. I, I wonder, but yeah, I kind of wondered the same thing. And I don't, I don't know what the adjustment is or what you kind of do next, but. Well, it's like Harden has seen every possible very like defensive variation. Mm-hmm. He's seen every pick and roll coverage. He knows yeah. all of them, and it's just like you know, fluidity and instinctiveness in basketball comes with you know reps and experience. And the more of that data that's just sort of in your mm-hmm. uh, that you have as sort of RAM using you know like a technology metaphor, I guess yeah. you can access that quickly. And you know if you don't have that experience you can't so it's like for Harden he works on that stuff and he's played mm-hmm. this way for a while so it's like okay if you if you even think about like blitzing him as a pick and roll ball handler he's just like yeah. all right you're done just you're completely blows it up yeah yeah and it doesn't you know there's certain guys that you might be able to throw these different schemes at and they can it'll take them a couple minutes or a quarter or whatever a half to figure out but it doesn't help when someone is a an offensive genius like James is that he just, like you said, you know, he's seen everything. He just comes down the court, picks it out and just boom, boom, boom. He knows, you know, this is what he wants to go to. He knows this is the counter. He knows what this guy's going to do. So it's even more magnified when a guy like James is able to pick it apart. And he's just such a, such a genius offensively that it's just not even fair at this point. Yeah. It's, it's really amazing to watch. I mean, I would assume. I mean, he's one of the best scorers I've ever seen. I mean, he's, I mean, I put him right there with Kobe, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I watched Jordan. I didn't watch him as an adult. Yeah. Um, just a, it's just a different approach. Like, uh, I don't really even know how to compare him, honestly, because Jordan just kind of played in, in a different era. Yeah. Obviously, I didn't, I wasn't able to watch Jordan as an adult or able to see him play much, but. I was, I do kind of wonder what, with just obviously it's totally different areas, but just like you said before, everything that Harden's seen, he's seen, I feel like so many different, pretty much everything as far as defensive schemes and just guys that play him, you know, big 6'11 guys with size and, you know, guys like Pat Bev are on him and he's pretty much seen it all and he's able to obviously been able to have great success against everything. Kind of skipping ahead, I think, between that potential second round matchup between the Rockets and the Warriors, which seems like is what everyone is kind of waiting for. Everyone's kind of, there's some intrigue in these first round series, but mainly it seems like that one's the one that everyone's kind of marked on their calendars. What are kind of your thoughts on that potential second round matchup and kind of what you think the outcome and keys to that would be? That second round matchup between the The Warriors and the Rockets? Yeah. I mean, I mean, I'm God. It's appointment television. Mm-hmm. 
who do I think is going to win? Is that kind of what you mean or just, yeah, just kind of, what are your thoughts on that? What do you, I, I think the big thing for me, just kind of a quick thing is I think that if you're the Rockets, you just have to be stoked to be able to get them two weeks early. Everyone's healthy right now. They seem to kind of be rolling. And I think that the two weeks that you could, could get them and not have any chance of a Chris Paul injury or some freak James thing happening. I think that's, I think the the two weeks, the early, the early matchup there is definitely favoring the the Rockets there. Yeah, I mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna play the Warriors, <laughs> you might as might yeah. as well kind of be on your terms, right? Mm-hmm. Like they've they've had health issues, you know. CP three was out, you know, a fair bit this year. Capella mm-hmm. obviously missed a stretch. I don't think Harden really missed much no. of anything. I don't think. Played, yeah, he hasn't missed much of anything. Yeah, so, and the the Warriors, you know, I, I it, it's hard to nitpick them and figure. I I really don't know where they're gonna try to attack exactly. I was watching a lot of Steph Curry tape today as I'm working on something on him. Mm-hmm. I know that in the other matchups this year, that Steph has been an area that they have picked on offensively. Surprisingly, with Austin Rivers actually kind of picked on. Yeah, the what the what in the world Austin Rivers is suddenly really good on both sides of the ball development over the last 30 games and a little bit of the playoffs here. <laughs> right. I think if you talk to people who kind of I don't know. I was talking to somebody about RSCI, which are you familiar with that? Mhm. Yeah, so I mean just for people maybe that don't know, it's just the composite high school sort of evaluation like ranking of guys. And Austin Rivers was like a top three guy in his class. At one yeah. point, he was the top guy in his class. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and everybody just kind of thought this kid is going to be a star pretty much, pretty much across the board. When mm-hmm. he went 10th, that was even a surprise. Yeah. So I guess, you know, Rivers, thing I was kind of pondering was, you know, if Rivers, if his last name isn't Rivers and if he wasn't ranked as highly as he was, would he have continued to get the chances that he's gotten? Yeah. Maybe not. I don't know. But yeah, he had a, a pretty rough couple. He had some good moments there, but pretty rough couple uh, seasons there. Then obviously the this latest kind of rough stretch with the Wizards before he found himself on the found himself on the Rockets. but. Yeah, I'm not sure that if he was not, you know, Doc's son and from Duke and highly rated, if he would even have had the chance to to be on Houston. But I mean, credit to him, he's fully uh, taken advantage of it and become a pretty key cog in their in their rotation here so far. Yeah, I mean, he's. I uh, let me pull up his stats just so I can look. I know him off the top of my head. And but, da- and. Like you were saying before, and Daniel House, I mean, number one, what a, another just such a great move by Daryl Morey to find another diamond in the rough and someone that just perfectly fits what Houston wants to do. But what in the world is the rest of the NBA doing? They had, he had to be sent, they had the whole contract situation where they couldn't sign him and they were kind of at odds with the contract negotiations. And right. he was down in the G League for, I, I could be wrong. It seemed like it was a month, a month and a half where anyone that decided to could have picked him up. And, you know, all these teams had cap space. I mean, you watch OKC and you think, oh my goodness, how 
he would play the whole game for them, wouldn't he? You would It'd think just be so. such a perfect player for them, it seems like, to be able to spot up and drive a little bit. You say that, but with Russ, it's like how many guys have cycled through? I mean, yeah, freak, yeah, freaking Noah Depot played with Russ. Russ is just famously one of the – I've never been a Russ fan just because mm-hmm. he he just doesn't know how to play off the ball. He doesn't let the offense flow through him. Mm-hmm. Like he, The offense comes from him. That's like the difference, and I would always yeah. have just felt like that's – it would just be infuriating to play with him. Like, I mean, he had Durant, and Durant, you know, from what people have said, that was one of the reasons was – playing with Russ, they said they basically had to rewire Durant's basketball brain when he got to Golden State because from playing with oh, Russ. Yeah. But yeah. something that I, I got thinking a lot about, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of like coming up with sort of, I don't know, just like <laughs> like terminology that for, yeah. for different, just yeah, sort yeah, of yeah. pseudoscience kind of things. But with, you know, with Luca, Luca is kind of a comparison to James Harden a lot and something mm-hmm. that I think those two guys have in, have in common um, and something I did on Luca, I called him a motherboard player, and I'm big on these like technical yeah, I loved that metaphors. But really, you know, I had a bunch of people tell me like, "Oh, he's more of a CPU," and I'm like, "He is, <laughs> he is." But I mean, Let's I, I like technical here, people. I vetted it with some tech people, some friends of mine. They're yeah. like, "Yeah, that makes sense because if you have a certain type of CPU, you can, you know, you can clock it higher and all this. It's just in the weeds, nonsense, yeah. not, not necessary." But my point is just that like. Pieces that might have otherwise not seemed as deemed to have value in certain scenarios, you know, you can plug them into this player who can raise the whole product. Mm-hmm. And I think that Harden is one of those guys. It's like, okay, well, no, in another situation, the data didn't show us that Daniel House was that type of player, but you put mm-hmm. him in a situation where the the schemes, you know, when yeah. the ball's moving, everybody looks better. Yeah, just the, the you personnel know, and, around him, too. Right. Guys like Capella that can space the floor. And I mean, yeah, just basically everything that Houston does fits him perfectly. Yeah. And it's, you know, nobody's really, I mean, like, yeah, everybody goes into the, the a Houston series knowing, or Houston, if you play for the Rockets, you know what's going on. You know what the deal mm-hmm. is. There's no confusion. Yeah. yeah. You know, and, but at the same time, you know, Russ and Harden are kind of, are very different players in the fact that, you know, Russ, I don't know. Yeah. I, you I mean, kind of couldn't have two opposite of the spectrum players in a way that you know plays kind of this yeah but yeah oh yeah kind of obviously you don't we don't need to go into the thick of it with what each guy but you know Harden, it's just the prolific score shooter and russ kind of the total opposite you know kind of let him shoot and like you're talking about just kind of the up what i kind of would say kind of the utmost basketball quality is to make the everyone around you better and make, you know, and in the same way by making everyone else better, you're making yourself better because everyone else is anyway. Yeah. What I'm trying to say basically is that Russ is kind of the, the complete opposite of that, that not that he doesn't make the guys around him better, but just that he, he's so in attack mode all the time that, and you've kind of seen it with OKC throughout this season and this, this series with, with, uh, Portland just how starved for shooting they are when when PG isn't hitting just because Russ is always in attack mode and kind of I guess creating spacing I don't I don't really know how to break down Russ in a anymore cuz he's so kind of uh sporadic but kind of like you said with Harden and Russ two very kind of similar but 
totally opposite players i don't know very puzzling i'm not sure what i just said but no no it makes sense <laughs> it's like they are they it, it is odd how similar they are but they really just are not like they would appear to be similar and the numbers might tell you something like that like mm-hmm. a couple years ago but i also don't get the feeling that guys hate playing with harden i don't get that sense oh no you know? then and it's like and the good measuring thing there is just that like guys have left okc and gone on to look good away from okc and i think that's an indictment on russ yeah i I just think seems like you rarely see that i can't really think of anyone that's left houston and i mean besides guys that have already been established like you know lou will was there and now obviously is having the success with the clippers but kind of guys besides that that are established and yeah you don't can't come up with a whole lot of uh examples of that Mm mm-hmm yeah, so an interesting thing about OKC, I looked this up when I was maybe thinking about doing something about them was that like once a good sort of indicator of like the good that can happen when Russ does defer a little bit more is that like I'd, I'd have to look up to be absolutely sure about this one, but I'm pretty sure the stat was that like in games where Terrence Ferguson scored 10 points or more. Mm-hmm they were like 14 and four or something like oh, man. that. Yeah. Um, so that was just a really weird rabbit hole. I got into studying their stats, but yeah. Um, but now yeah. I saw a crazy stat just on the, on the broadcast before the game that said when Russ in his career, when OKC is down two Oh, he averaged 32 shot attempts a game. Uh, and I think that kind of speaks to his mentality and just the way he plays is that, for better or worse, he's going to attack and keep shooting and keep shooting. And I, it's not that I think that Russ is kind of this totally selfish player that just is determined to get his points. So he's going to shoot it 30 times, but he just has the such a utmost belief in himself for better or worse that if he boinks that one off to the right by four feet, he thinks the next one's nothing but net and he's just going to keep coming at you relentlessly. But yeah. And that's kind of, I guess, we'll see how this plays out with OKC for the rest of this series and if they make it to that second-round matchup. And the other interesting thing with how it all played out, obviously with the Rockets and Warriors matching up in that, potentially in that second round, is one of these San Antonio, Denver, OKC, and Portland are going to end up in the Western Conference Finals. So an interesting kind of shakeout that happened there, and I'm sure all those four teams... Um, front offices and players and everything were excited about that potential. As I just said, Denver and San Antonio, I realized that I don't think we'd mentioned them even once. <laughs> yeah, I don't think we did. <laughs> Which is funny because it's one of it's been one of my favorite series to watch, I think, so far. Just watching this kind of I don't want to say juggernaut, but this kind of regular season phenomenon that Denver was that, you know, they were number one for a while and and then people thought they might slide, and then they slid just a little bit down to two, but kind of kept their same success. And with their just this young team and all these young guys, all this depth, and then they kind of go against the the dynasty of the last, you know, besides the Warriors, the dynasty and kind of right iconic franchise of San Antonio with all these established established vets, and they have a couple, you know, more young guys than they traditionally do, but. It's been a really kind of interesting opposites in a lot of ways throughout these playoffs. I don't know if you've had a chance to watch much of that Denver Spurs series, but 
what's kind of been your your analysis, I guess, or thoughts on that one? I haven't got to actually like watch a lot of the games. I mean, mm-hmm. I'd, I've kind of followed it through, you know, box scores and things like that. I mean, it strikes me that this is sort of a, if you want to join, you know, get a seat at the table, then you're going to need to, you know, it's kind of a be the best, beat the best kind of mm-hmm. a situation where, you know, the Spurs aren't the best, but yeah. But I mean, it seems like it's been sort of a gut check for some of the stars and, you know, I obviously have like a personal interest in Jamal Murray. Mm-hmm. It's not been, you know, other than his little run that he made in game two in the second half to sort of yeah. come back, but he's famous for those. Sledding. What's that? Kind of been a little bit of tough sledding besides that, that yeah. stretch in the fourth, but. And also, you know, you've got the surging Derek White, you know, Derek mm-hmm. White's been a big story. You know, last night he gets pulling it up here yeah, I'm, I'm just 30, disappointed Lonnie Walker 37th 37 points yeah <laughs> uh yeah well let's see this in this game he gets 16 this was the 13th yeah that's not the most recent one 36 last night yeah 36 there we go but he was 15 for 21 overall <laughs> for a whopping 71 percent my goodness five rebounds five assists one turnover three steals but uh yeah, I mean, it, it was funny to watch draft Twitter and some of the the hoop hipsters mm-hmm. uh, that that sort of had picked him Fawning out. Fawning over him, yeah. <laughs> oh, just just throwing a damn Shout parade. out to Jackson Frank out there. <laughs> was that one of his guys? <laughs> yeah, it's his. I think that's his main thing now is Derek White. Just period. That's just yeah. what he does. Mm-hmm. He just talks about Derek White. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> now, I think it, it's been kind of the... It almost kind of gets exhausting, this not exhausting about the Spurs, but this, um, it seems like every draft process, there's one guy where are like, okay, he's going to end up on the Spurs and <laughs> he's not going to play for two years. And then in two years, he's going to lead him to the Western conference finals and he's going to be a star for the next 10 years. And it kind of feels like everyone sort of saw this coming with Derek white a little bit, maybe not to this degree this early, but it, it just speaks to just the development and just the, franchise stability and juggernaut of development and everything of pure basketball that they kind of are that this just happens over and over again yeah i mean it's like company culture is i don't know how into the working world you are you seem like Mm -hmm. you're a pretty young guy right yeah 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 21 21 very young uh Yeah. yeah i mean like you notice that. I mean, culture in companies, I always say, tr- trickles down from the top. So it's like, mm-hmm. and the Spurs are one of the, you know, the Patriots are a good example of that. Yeah. Uh, just really, really strong. And then you see some organizations that, you know, there's nothing trickling down from the top. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's like are you, the Kings. Aren't you a Kings fan? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. You just had to do that. Just had to throw that in there. Had to stick you <laughs> that one. What do you think about them firing their coach? I think that everyone's kind of seemed like it had been circling for most of the year. And then the, them being in the chase towards the second, the second half of the season. And then just kind of the rough second half they had after all stars. I think it was kind of bound to happen. I think Luke's a great fit. I think he fits what they want to do. And I guess we'll see if they can kind of develop together and become whatever what they kind of want him to become is just this young core growing with the young coach and playing fast and playing free and fun and develop all these young guys and 
it feels good that at least there's a little bit of a plan being laid out and they can hopefully stay with it. But I guess we'll see how that goes. There's seems like there's been numerous plans over the years, so hopefully they can stick one to seems for a little like bit. It. Yeah, well, I can't I mean, there put was... my finger on it, but it seems like there's been a little bit absent of uh, success in Sacramento. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of starting over. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I don't. It seems like there was some organizational discord there too, right? Like, I, yeah, I didn't with, even know uh, if it was because I mean, a young the team starts. GM and and Jaeger, I think, was kind of the the rub, and they got rid of him too, and ripping it root, root and stem, huh? But mm-hmm. I, I mean, I don't know, Kings. It's I, I hope <laughs> that they can. You know, a young team, second half of the year, people, you're not sneaking up on people. That's just mm-hmm. sort of the process of, yeah. of uh, just kind of feeling went through that too. You know, people, yeah. you catch people by surprise a little bit. That that happens yeah, every single year. You don't, yeah. Yeah, I think the Nuggets kind of went through the same thing last year. Yeah. Uh, or they kind of had that success and then, you know, like you said, in the second half, it starts to get closer to playoffs, obviously, and people are able to scout you from, previous matchups and kind of know what you do and force you into lots of different things. So mm-hmm. I think that's kind of, that's kind of the maturing process that every young team has to go through that before they get to the playoffs. And then once you get to the playoffs, you typically end up going through what the nuggets are going through where you always seems to work out that way for some reason. I don't know what it is, but that young team probably cause they always sneak in towards the bottom, mm-hmm. but the kind of was the opposite this year with the nuggets obviously ended up at the two and then, San Antonio at the seven, but it always seems to end, end up that way where the young team plays kind of the the team that's been at it for a while and then they get a, get a, taught all these lessons and <laughs> now they get to take them home a, after the first round, which I'm sure they love. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, for the Kings, I guess, what are you really playing for? Uh, mm-hmm. I guess you were playing... Yeah, that's the other thing. They're in that awkward in-between where where you want to go for the playoffs, but you can't tank because you don't have a pick and you just end up in that weird no man's land between trying hard and wanting to make the playoffs, but you probably don't really have a super hot chance of making the playoffs. So yeah, then it just turns into ultimate develop and get the young guys reps, which was also the other rub with Marvin not starting a whole heck of a lot of games. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, can't, I think he like two for a long time. Like, <laughs> Yeah, I think, and that's kind of had been Jaeger's, you know, kind of one of those coaches that doesn't give young guys the the starts or the the credit that maybe they deserve. So mm-hmm. I think that was kind of the rub, and now hey, they get Lito the total opposite. Well too, though, right? I mean, mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's kind of the, I guess we'll see how that whole thing works out. And then Collie Stein being a restricted free agent, and that's another puzzle of a guy that you could sit and talk about all day. Just Uber of uber amounts of potential and upside and mm-hmm. mentality seems to be missing and man if he'd gone to the spurs mm-hmm. right? yeah he just could have <laughs> sat on the bench and <laughs> played no, in the g-league we'd all bit. be talking about how good he is if he was on the spurs <laughs> for sure we definitely I'd, would be I, I don't know about willie man he's been a mystery <laughs> for a long time I, we we didn't know really what to he would just disappear in big games when mm-hmm. he was here it was so frustrating when they lost to wisconsin willie just just all the no tools show. there. You just just slobber at all the tools and the upside that he has. He's has basically everything that you could want from a modern big man today. Except rim protection. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that, I think that kind of goes back to the whole mentality thing. Mm-hmm. 
he's more likely to get a deflection, really. I forget where, who I saw today. Some some Twitter NBA guy talking about how skill is a or hustle is a skill and motor is a skill, and that's definitely one that Willie doesn't have in his bag. But you look at guys like Capella and even someone like Stephen Adams who just never really quits, and mm-hmm. those big guys are kind of the staple and what you're looking for in the modern NBA today. Totally. We'll kind of transition, use that tools and what you're looking for in modern NBA. I want to hear a little bit of, obviously very early in the process, your, some of your thoughts on the draft. Who are, who are your guys that you're just obsessed with and can't stop watching film on and talking about um, kind of right now in this early process? It's been an interesting thing where... And we can't talk about Zion, okay? We're going <laughs> to just rule that out right now. Everyone's going to hear about him enough. We got to let's dig in the weeds a little bit. What could we possibly say? Yeah. Well, you know, when I started, you know, making content about basketball, I mean, I started doing stuff about the draft and I thought Mm -hmm. that that was going to kind of be my focus. Mm -hmm. Uh, But through doing stuff for my channel and with the ringer, it's been a lot more NBA focused. So I'm not totally like full all systems go in draft mode, but you know, I watched the college basketball season and I think you have loose opinions on, on a lot of guys. Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously I think you, you're, you know, you're, you're fired if you take anybody but Zion at number one. I Mm -hmm. don't think I get asked this a lot. I had people, when I made my video about John Morant, they were like, so you have him number two on your board. And I'm like, I'm not so sure that I do, to be honest. Um, I have a lot of questions about Ja. I think it's possible that he could be, you know, a really good, just sub elite point guard in the league. You know, a Mm -hmm. guy that's like a starter kind of quality player, but maybe not an all-star, you know, but he has some, he has some really incredible tools. I kind of compared him. I said that I don't think that he's going to be a guy that'll mind if he doesn't score a ton Mm -hmm. at the next level. Yeah. So I like him a lot. Obviously a crazy good athlete. In terms of, you know, just going down the list, RJ, I'm like, I think RJ is going to be a good NBA player. I don't love his personality. I think he's a little bit like Ben Simmons, like we he's talked about. He's got that Verde attribute. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's one of my little just pet theories there. Yeah. Um, that they teach a class on how to not be a good teammate and how to make sure that you're fighting for your brand. It's part of their <laughs> curriculum down there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Jarrett Culver, I like him. I'm not sure what he is exactly like in terms of his trajectory, what his ceiling is. I think that he's. Yeah. You watch him one game and you think, Oh, this is just, this guy's potential is limitless that he looks like he could be the perfect kind of defensive one or two, however you see him with his ability to score the ball. And then you watch him the next game and you're like, yeah, I'm not totally convinced this guy can play in the NBA, but we'll see. <laughs> I haven't fallen that far down on him yet, but okay. yeah, he's, I'm kind of like, well, uh, and, and uh, Jackson Hayes, I like a lot. I hope, I hope he gets healthy soon. I mean, he's sort of mm-hmm. like, I was telling somebody the other day, uh, I was like, his trajectory's a lot, been a lot like Willie actually, but I think that uh, um, Hayes actually is, is a guy that has high level, like rim protection potential. Uh, he mm-hmm. just swallows people up around yeah. the rim. Really good athlete. Really long, huge hands. So I, I like him. Yeah, kind of everything you're looking for. Mm-hmm. In terms of you know the other point guards in the draft, I mean Darius Garland. I like him a lot. A guy that can you know shoot is a mobile shooter. Mm-hmm. Can 
relocate quickly and make threes. He's sort of the opposite of of Morant, honestly. Yeah, he's a guy that I haven't had a chance to chance to see a whole heck of a lot of. Obviously, had the season cut short, but mm-hmm. someone that I don't know a whole lot about. You know, uh, some people think that Bol Bol has has a future. I'm sort of, I don't know, is the Bol Bol mm-hmm. going to be better than Thon Maker? I always ask people that. I'm like, is he going to be better than Mobamba? I don't. I'm just kind of not. Yeah, there are a lot of motor. Not sure, and, where he fits in there. Yeah, there are a lot of motor and sort of commitment questions about Bol Bol. You know, you were talking about that being a skill. That's not one that he has. The yeah. only times that he's ever really shown up and and uh and worked were times where he got i remember like in the hoop summit he got chastised for not working super hard and he came out and played kind of hard it was just like i mean you know is it really is that what it takes to get you to play mm-hmm. hard yeah that's kind of that's the thing too that's always great about those guys that don't have the hustle skill they'll get called out for it and then they'll play one or two games crazy hard and then stop mm-hmm. and you're like oh great so we know you can do it perfect you just choose not to yeah that's it's a, yeah they're pretending you know mm-hmm. it's like it's not part of yeah, their dna the guy guys are just born with it you know i was writing that and i did a recap about the hoop summit the other day and um mm-hmm. i was sort of making that point it's like that's really all you can really look for is just if guys take it personally or not if they care that's what you that's what you want i mean you could talk about the kentucky guys which i've seen those guys a whole lot yeah. um yeah, what are your what are your kind of thoughts on on that crop of guys? Who do you like the most? Who do you see the most upside with? I would say PJ has a has an edge over Tyler, and I would put Kelton third in terms okay. of the U- UK guys in the draft. Yeah. PJ is a guy that I I always tell people, you know, he can stretch and hit spot up shots. He doesn't have he's not a mobile shooter at all, uh, yeah. but he's a guy that played as a big a lot of his career, so he has some tricks in his bag in terms of around the rim he has really good touch he's strong he's long he's i think he's he's about six seven but he has really long arms has mm-hmm. a good vertical it's somewhere like in the 38 to 40 inch range um but the thing for him is that uh, that's going to keep him from being a star i think is that he struggles to sort of reconcile those two things like he's really good at spotting up really good at posting up but he's mm-hmm. not good at creating his offense off the bounce he's he's a yakety sax dribbler that's what i always tell people it's like he's he's either going to charge or turn it over a lot yeah um and kentucky kind of put him in position to do one or the other uh which was smart of them uh to hide some of his weaknesses but that's an area for him to work on for sure i think pj is a really probably would be my favorite prospect out of there too kind of like you said i i didn't get to watch him in the first maybe month or so of the season so i kind of caught him a little bit into the season and i was pretty impressed with how much i had maybe it was just recency bias and not having seen him played in a minute but it seemed like i was pretty impressed with how much he had improved and seemed like he had added a little bit to his bag and i think he does project pretty decently as kind of a a stretch three or four that doesn't can hit knock you know can kind of spot up and have some touch on on rolls and maybe be able to play out of the short roll a little bit. But, you know, kind of like you said, not not someone that has a whole heck of a lot of a handle or that you really want or would need him to be handling and creating for other guys. Yeah, he's he's a guy who's shown a little bit of uh, potential to, you know, passing to the opposite side of the post. I don't know how much he's going to really do that or how much mm-hmm. he's going to get those types of touches. 
I think he's going to be probably like a rotation level guy at the next level. You know, yeah. there've been questions about motor and he, he just started to kind of develop a motor, you know, halfway through this season, mm-hmm. he kind of had to turn it on, turn it off. He would just dis- disappear. Yeah. But, and then, um, you know, you got Tyler hero, uh, hero. I think I, I've always kind of joked. I was like, if his last name was Hirovich, people would be kind of going a little <laughs> crazier about him. Yeah. But I mean, I like hero. He's, he's got sky high confidence. Like he's just a really confident kid. Mm-hmm. Kind he's of a better Uber competitor, better ball handler people. than you yeah. think. Yeah. I mean, I don't think that the shooting numbers really tell the whole story with him. Mm-hmm. I think that he absolutely has the potential to be a 40% three point shooter in the league. We'll see. Probably needs to add muscle, maybe not so much weight. Doesn't really want to add. But, uh, you know, he attacks better than you think. He's a craftier finisher than you think. Mm-hmm. He improved positionally as a defen- as a defender a lot this year. Yeah, I thought he looked really good in the tournament on that side of the ball. Mm-hmm. He was just really, you know, I think and that's kind of, there's certain guys that just do that when the moment comes. They just kind of show up and live for it. And yeah, I, th- I was pretty impressed with him in the tournament um, defensively. And I just getting his own shot, knocking down open shots, things like that. I was pretty... I thought he had a good tournament and definitely helped his stock. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, you know, he's probably, a, he's a first rounder, I would imagine. I don't mm-hmm. really do the whole like talk to teams thing. So I never, people yeah. always ask me like, do a mock draft. Oh my God. It's, it would be pointless. Yeah, it yeah. literally would be pointless for me mm-hmm. to do that. Uh, and it's funny too, if you ever listen to like people that cover the draft, they, they all loathe doing mock drafts. Oh yeah. It's like, I'm yeah. Everyone loves them, but yeah, it's, it never lands right. And you, always kind of regret that you do it because then you look back and you're like man shouldn't have done that i had that guy at this and yeah never turns out good yeah i mean last year i I did my rankings and it was like if there's one trade everything shifts a spot and it's just like you're not gonna get it right yeah so and then uh you know keldon keldon maturity issues i would say if you're going to just go through kind of the concerns on him pretty Mm -hmm. terrible decision maker in the middle of the floor (laughs) not not big hands at all. It struggles to control the ball and rise up and finish. Not crafty around the rim as a finisher. Disappears a lot. But if you want to flip that around, I think that mm-hmm. he's another guy that could shoot in the you know thirty eight to forty one range percent wise from three. Yeah, I think that he's if he matures a little bit and gets in the right position, I think he's a guy that could be a good team defender at the next level. I don't think he's an exceptional athlete, but he, you know, he does have a a pretty good motor, you know, when he's engaged, he just gets a little excited. That's what yeah. I would say about Kelton. He gets so ramped up yeah. that he can take himself out of the game. Um, but you know, mm-hmm. good catch and shoot guy. He's a guy you can run off screens and, and, uh, he, he doesn't mind, you know, the, the defensive pressure of that and can hit shots. But um, as a finisher, I just really, really need him to improve. It's not my problem anymore. He left. But yeah. For his sake. He just needed to <laughs> carry that Kentucky name well throughout his, his career. Right. Uh, who, who's someone, just real quick, and then we'll kind of wrap it up. Who's someone from the draft that you kind of don't really get, don't get the intrigue, maybe don't have him quite as high in your mind as other people do? Oh gosh. I mean, that's, that's a funny question. If you think about like the general public, Mm -hmm. if you weigh it against like the general, because 
for for me and i'm sure you follow a lot of these people too it's like mm-hmm. there is no person that i could say that people will be like yeah we all know about chumo keki thanks buddy yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> so there's yeah. none of that but i mean yeah i mean i like i mentioned jackson hayes early uh, that's a guy that i like a lot that maybe mm-hmm. not the general public maybe doesn't know about um i like casey okpala i was kind of watching him a little bit okay yeah. yes yeah is it kezi i think yeah i'm not I'm probably not the person to ask on pronunciation, but I have no idea. We'll just but go with one and stick with it. Interesting athlete. He kind of reminds me of Ubre a little bit. Uh, that's what I was getting vibes of him. Mm-hmm. Like just a, a guy yeah. that's uh, really long. Um, I do like guys. I was talking with Brian Schroeder about this, that we both kind of agree. We like guys that can kind of slither in the lane and finish yeah. and are long kinda and use their length. Pascal Siakam ability. Yeah, for sure. You know, use use the and that's where kind of hand size and wingspan play into. It's like, mm-hmm. can you uh, sustain contact and reach away from the defense and extend? Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. So I, I like I like him for that for that uh, reason. He seems like he's coming along as a set shooter too. I mean, I'm like yeah. everybody else. I like Brandon Clark a lot. Yeah, it's gonna be interesting to see what he becomes. Mm-hmm. He's kind of he's an interesting one. Someone that I could see rising a lot or falling a lot throughout the draft process just because i think he's obviously when they get to combine and stuff he's probably he's gonna measure super well at all that stuff but it'll be interesting to see when he's asked in workouts to kind of do individual stuff handle and create a shot a little bit and just a freak athlete someone who can pretty much guard one through four and a half five in the league i'm sure he'll be able to do that Mm-hmm. someone who's a better a little bit better off the bounce and i think people realize just he wasn't asked to do a whole heck of a lot of it at gonzaga but not really someone that's going to be able to stretch out to the three and i think that's the the big thing for his career is will he be able to develop that and will he be able to add that to his package but yeah he's someone that I, he just makes so much sense for so many teams and fits so well in today's nba yeah, and you would think that we would have learned our lesson and realized that you know there's a place for those type of guys. You know, if he mm-hmm. can, he can probably dependably switch in that two through four range uh, and be really valuable. You know, mm-hmm. guarding space with length and and good. Oh yeah, you know, good def- team defenders are 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 a premium right now. And you know, it's like Jordan Bell, like somebody like that. You know, mm-hmm. Jared Vanderbilt is another guy that I compared. They're sort of all in that kind of class. It's like. Yeah. Can't really shoot, but great yeah. athletes, really good timing. I actually kind of, I just had that realization. I kind of like putting those guys together, but mm-hmm. you know, it's just high defensive IQ. Um, yeah. I really, really gets it. Yeah. I really like Dylan Windler too. That's kind of, oh, yeah. He's kind of, <laughs> yeah. He's one of those guys that I'm, I like to keep an eye on. He's like one of those guys that I can't stop watching film on. And I'm like, man, he could be so good. And it's either going to turn out really well for me or I'm going to look like an idiot in three years, but. Right, we'll, he just we'll find out. But I mean, he's six seven. That's another mm-hmm. thing too. It's like I don't know if he, I don't know. Could he? Could he play a, a, like Kyle Korver? You know, yeah. I, I forget what he was drafted, but you know, he's stuck mm-hmm. around in the league. It's like can can Windler play that kind of role? He's bigger. I don't. Well, Korver's. Yeah, I think that Korver's a little Korver? bigger. Is he? Yeah, I think so. But and just kind of the man, the thing that. With the other thing with Wendler is just his kind of come and goedness of five point game, thirty seven point game, you know, <laughs> yeah. eight point game, fifty point, you know, kind of one of those guys. I don't, th- I, I wouldn't necessarily classify him as a 
a streaky score or a hot and cold score, but he just, I don't know, maybe it was the system and maybe if he's, I think that he could fit really well in kind of a come off the bench sixth or seventh guy score for the second unit. I think he can make a lot of sense for a lot of teams Mm -hmm. as kind of a three coming off the, off the bench. Yeah. He's someone that I really like a lot. And I think uh, just his size and ability to score and just a competitor is, yeah, I like him a lot. But he had the green light. I know that at Belmont, Mm -hmm. he could take whatever shot he wanted. It's always interesting with those guys when they kind of have that, that green light and then, but they're, they're very obviously not going to be a number one or even two option in the league to see how they, how they translate. And I think that's why a lot of those guys just fit naturally on the second unit where they kind of are able to get that green light. Mm-hmm. Any other draft thoughts that you have or playoff thoughts that you're dying to get off your chest? I don't guess so. I mean, how about you? I don't think so. I think that what I do need though, I'm going to need what's your, I've got to hold you to it. Gun to your head right now. What's your finals prediction? <laughs> this is like the mock draft of the playoffs, you know. Oh man, everyone loves to do this. I, I'm terrible. I'm to be honest, people will ask me like, "Well, what's your bracket? What's your tournament?" Yeah, yeah. And I'm, all, I'm like, you really would be better off just asking a random stranger because I, I just like <laughs> I, I always just overthink it. Here's so I'm what not we'll do. We'll you... switch it up a little bit. What's one thing that you're kind of keeping your eye on going throughout the rest of the playoffs? Can the Warriors keep it going? I think is the mm-hmm. biggest storyline here, and also, you know, and uh, which, which in and of itself, I guess answers sort of your question. It's like who's going to be? It's this is the first LeBronless, yeah, playoffs in a while, and it's like what who's, who's going to be the first intrigue. team to get there? And yeah. I, I, I really would like to see the Bucks get there because the Bucks play the Warriors well, yeah, and the Raptors kind of do too. And, you know, I, but then part of me just feels like, man, I feel like the Celtics are just going to knock the Bucks off. <laughs> I yeah, don't know. That would be how it would go, right? The We would happen, you know, everyone wants to see that Bucks warriors and somehow Boston would do it. And then we would get the classic Warriors beating the Eastern Conference team in five and yeah. into the offseason we go. Yeah, I mean, I kind of, I really want to see Bucks. Yeah, Bucks Rockets would be amazing too because I don't, I don't think the Rockets have no answer for Giannis. But who? Oh yeah, who do you? Yeah, what if PJ is going to be your best option there? Maybe. (laughs) Yeah, I guess so. Get in his way. That's about all you can do. Yeah. Well, I guess we'll just hope for that Warriors and and Bucks finals, and until then, we'll just see how it goes. I will be watching it and enjoying it with great interest. Perfect. Is there anything you have coming out? Anything that you want to plug or anything to look out for? I mean, I'm working on a thing about Steph Curry right now. It's not done yet, though. So um, hopefully next week. That's what we're hoping for. So awesome. Probably be on the. It's good. Well, not probably. It's going to be on the ringer. So okay. Awesome. If you don't follow, people don't follow you on Twitter. you're, You're at. Is it J Kyle Man? Two N's. That's that's it. J K Y L E M A N N. Perfect. If you don't follow Kyle, make sure you go ahead and give him a follow. I think that about wraps it up. Thanks so much for coming on, Kyle. And until next time, we'll catch you later. See you, man. Perfect. Thanks.